0: Take your Bibles, turn to Luke, Luke chapter 18. I'm always excited to preach the word of God, but I'm really excited about this one. It's a new chapter. How many like new chapters in life Yeah? Changes. How many hate changes? I just want it the same way, the same coffee. I've been drinking my Folgers with three scoops of sugar and one little teaspoon of half and half for 35 years. Who, who's that? That's you. All right, cool. Awesome some of us like new chapters. I don't want to do the same thing like twice in a row. You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited to jump into chapter 18 of Luke. I'm going to do some, a little bit of background um, and interesting. We're going to take a a little bit of a journey this morning. Uh, Look at the time. Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, We're going to go on a little bit of a journey. And you might even think to yourself, and this probably happens on a regular basis, but where the heck is he going with this? Um, I promise we're going to land, but the topic of of conversation today is prayer, kingdom prayer. We've been talking a lot about the kingdom. Jesus is talking a lot about the kingdom in the text here, and and where he lands here in the beginning of chapter 18 is amazing, and I I really believe that if we engage our hearts and our minds today, if, if we focus on what does he have for me in this text? What is he going to speak to me about? I, I just I firmly believe that you will walk away changed, you will walk away different. Even last night, I was just sitting at the table, all the chaos ended in, in, in my home, and everyone was downstairs in bed, and I just, sitting up at the table, pouring over it again, looking at it again, every, every verse just reading it, and it's just, there's so many things uh, that were just driving home how I should pray, how I should be living. And it was just ministering to me last night. I hope it comes across that fresh this morning. Um, but it, it's really predicated on your heart. You know, we taught, we ended that last week that this kingdom is really a, a heart. Who's ruling and reigning where in your heart? So uh, let's pray together. Let's pray that, that God will do a work. And if there's something in between uh, your soul and the Savior this morning, there's something in between a barrier uh, of the text, the Word of God, and, and what we're about to do. Just get it out of the way. When we bow our heads and pray, just say, Father, remove it. Can, if it's sin, confess it. And, and let's go to the Word of God today uh, with an open mind, open heart. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We pray that you will work through the ministry of your Word this morning. We pray that it would be clear, that the, the items would be actionable, that we could Just tangibly grab it, pick it up, and run with it, Father. That It's something that we can pass to our children. And, and Father, we are truly different uh, because of what we've done today. In in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, kingdom prayer. Let me ask you a question. What is your view of the kingdom of God? Obviously, this is in light of the the previous weeks. Remember that it's your heart. Remember that, that when you trust Christ as your Savior, for those of you that have, and if you have it, we're going to give you opportunity to do so. But for those of you that have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. He has indwelled you. He has come uh, into your heart and sealed you. He has protected you. He has insulated you from the kingdom of this world, right, from the kingdom of Satan. From what he is trying to push, if you're saved, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you are sealed from that. Maybe there's still consequences for sin, but there's no condemnation, right? Remember that that it's not going to be easy, but you should focus on the fact that Jesus is coming back and he will set things in order. He will transform those that that are new creatures from within into everlasting saints that will enjoy God's presence forevermore. That's That's a big thought, isn't it? He will transform those. Those of you that have put your faith and trust. Those of you that identify as. Boy, is that a hot term nowadays. Those of you that identify as a child of God. He's going to transform you into eternal saints. I believe that this next chapter will give us another layer of protection in this present age as we await our Savior's return and continue to be about His work in the church. Uh, Luke 18.8. I want to give you a key thoughts from the passage before we uh, travel around a little bit. Luke 18.8, it says, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on earth? If you can, Josh, throw those up for them when we get there, if you can on the proclaim. So I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, listen to this, shall he find faith on the earth? Here's a key thought from this passage that we'll circle back around to. Will you, will we be found faithful? Remember last week, stand firm. Boy, And I needed this this week. Sometimes we don't even realize that when we preach messages that it's for this season before this season ever comes to a a fruition in our lives. Last week when I preached this message, I didn't know how this week would go but I trust that God is giving me at that moment what I'm going to need to stay faithful and to stand firm and to be spirit-filled. So, spirit-filled. so think about that. And the question that he's going to come back to in verse 8 of chapter 18, will you be found faithful? L- listen to this. Will you be found, will you be a follower of Jesus until it's your time to go or until he comes back? Ask yourself that question. This text is begging that question from you. Will you be found faithful? Luke eighteen, twenty-nine through thirty, another key thought from this passage that we'll land on, that I'm just kind of teasing you with this morning is, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake. Watch this. Who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting? A key thought is, hey, will you be found faithful? The second key thought from this passage when we go into kingdom prayer is this. You will be blessed in this life and granted eternal life in the next, watch this, for being committed to God's kingdom. When we ask the question, will you be found faithful? We have to understand that God is going to reward that. He's not just asking you that question for no reason. He's asking you that question because he's challenging us to be faithful because he knows that he is going to reward our faithfulness, not just in everlasting life, but in this present time. And unfortunately, we know from Paul's teaching that there will be false teachers there will be people that come upon us in this church age, in this present age, that will try to manipulate the blessings of this present time. They will try and say that it's money, it's fame, it's fill in the blank, right? But all of those things, if they fall into the category of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father. It is of the what? The world. The world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the thought is, will we remain? And in that same vein and thought, you have to think, the reason why he's asking you that is because he wants to bless you in this present age. And he wants to give you eternal life. He does not want to withhold good things from his children. We just have to define what good looks like. You will be blessed. Listen to this. The local church is God's plan for disciples of Jesus to be active members of his kingdom. Let me say that again. The church, the local church, is God's plan for disciples of Jesus to be active members in his kingdom. Hmm. Good coffee this morning. Cody's not here to thank. Why do we do this? Why do we come here? Anybody ever ask yourself that question? Why do I get up on Sunday morning instead of sleeping? I'm sure Jimmy went. When, when I asked him, I said, hey, bro, I'm going to need your help back in that sound booth. He's like, what, what time do I got to be there? <laughs> I'm sure this morning it was like, really? Why do we do this? Why do we come? The book of Acts demonstrates. Some of you need to put this in your, in, in your mind, in your heart, because these may, might be new things for you. The book of Acts demonstrates the early Christians. The book of Luke is a, a volume one and volume two. Acts and Luke were written by Luke to O Theophilus. So the book of Acts demonstrates, which we've already done a study through the book of Acts, that early Christians were being affirmed as elders and deacons in a local assembly, and they were led and guided by the word of God and prayer. That was the purpose. In this present age, we already learned in the last chapter that this will become as in the days of Noah. This will become as in the days of Lot. There will be things that we're looking around and we cannot make sense of. And we will long for the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and his second advent, his second return. You you think Christmas is great. We celebrate the first advent, and unfortunately most Christians are more excited about the first advent living in the past than they are about the second advent that is to come. It's the most. A wonderful time of year. Well, you know what? When he comes again, it will be the most wonderful time of eternal life. And it will establish an eternal kingdom that is forever for those that are of his kingdom now. So so the point of all of this is that he gave us in this present age, the church, a local assembly for good reason, and and he commissioned them to go out and reach the world, to bring them in and compel them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to be a part, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This This is the mission of the church. Where are you going with this? Well, you'll see. 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to read this whole chapter together. Aren't you excited? How many of you read your Bibles this morning? You don't have to read your hand. Just in case you didn't, I have enough Bible reading built in this morning uh, for you to get your walk with God in, okay? So let's read this together. Now, in the context of the church, right? Uh, I'm going to actually put it here just in case I get ahead of, of Josh back there. Um, in the context of what we read, about the kingdom of God. Stay with me, all right? You know, this is, this is good stuff here. We're going all over the place. Paul is giving us instruction. Paul, you, if you don't know who he was, he was like the man. Um, and he started a ton of churches. He's the reason scripture says that the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, re- re- <laughs> resurrection of Jesus, the good news, he's the reason the good news came to the Gentiles. If you, if you say, what is a Gentile? If you're not a Jew, You're a Gentile. It's everybody else, okay? So the reason why we have a church, the reason we are here worshiping, I mean, if you're a Jew, great, awesome. Um, But this specific age is is geared toward the time of the Gentiles, the time of those that were not Israel. It is those that are the church. And God used Paul as a missionary, God used Paul as a missionary to bring about the gospel to the Gentiles. And And he used the context of the church. So... When we read this book, it is a Pauline epistle. It's something that Paul wrote to the church for us to understand how we, how we are to act, how we are to do business, if you will, right? Uh, that heart, kingdom work, and kingdom business. And I feel like this passage, um, it's so illuminating. As to what Jesus is saying, probably 40, maybe 40, 50 years after, 40 or 50 years after Jesus gives these words, The Apostle Paul is carrying the same message to the church. And you know what? It's still 110% relevant today. How many of you think that's awesome that this book was written? uh, These specific epistles some 2,000 years ago, and it's still relevant today. Not just relevant, it's still powerful. It's still edifying. So so let's, more than my words today, let's, let's listen to the Apostle Paul's words, God's words, through him. 1 Thessalonians 5, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need what I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Remember, remember, so it was in the days of Noah, right? Lightning that, that comes, shines in the other parts of the sky. We just studied that last week. The kingdom of God is at hand. The Lord is going to return He's going to come again. And when he is, remember, one man will be left, one man will remain. I'm sorry, one man will go away. Right? One man will be dead, one man will live an everlasting life. This is the same context. Think about what Paul is saying here. For yourselves know perfectly, right? The day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not all what escape. escape. So it was in the days of who, Noah. In the days of who, Lot. Lot. We're on the same vein of thinking here, right? But ye brethren are are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of the light, and the children of the day. We and, and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be and be sober. For for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, come on, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet, the hope of salvation. You're gonna long for the coming. Of the Son of Man, you're going to want that. Put it on, Paul says. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but unto salvation. But are the Lord. We're we're of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or or sleep, we should live together with him. Oh, I love this. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. And edify one another, even as also ye do. Hey, Hey, this is what we're here for. This is why I stand here and I read to you. It's going to be okay. He's going to come. We're children of the light. Therefore, let us not live in darkness. Therefore, let us not live in a place where Satan keeps his thumb over top of us, where Satan causes divisions, where Satan causes us to derail. No, 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 no. That's all in the dark. We are of the light. And Jesus has come the first time so that he can come a second time. Man, Man, be encouraged. Understand, be edified. As we gather together, we gather in such a way that is encouraging. It's so much more than what we have reduced it down to be. Well, why do you go to church? Some weeks I'm inspired. Some weeks it's for the coffee. Some weeks it's for my kids because they have fun. Some weeks, no. No comfort each other. We come because this gathering is on a kingdom level. Verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, we beg you to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. You know, we work hard as leaders in this church to share with you the text to do the work and the reading of scripture and prayer, esteem that work high put a premium on what is going to encourage you eternally is what Paul is saying now we exhort you brethren, warn them that are unruly comfort the feeble minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men that's like our creed right? lead with love, keep your cool, that's like our creed right there Paul is saying you're still human beings, you're still flesh, you're still gonna struggle. A church is a bunch of broken people, right? See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is what? Good, both among yourselves and all men. Here it is, check this out. Rejoice evermore. Man, could there be a word that is more important for the church today? Could there be? I don't think so. Rejoice evermore. And here is where we we find this is so applicable to what we're gonna study today. Pray without what? Ceasing. Continue in it. In everything what? Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Remember? Stand firm. Stay faithful. Be what? Spirit filled. Don't quench the spirit of God. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify. He sets you apart to be holy. I what? Pray. Pray. God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto what? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. How do I know how how long to stay until he comes back? How do I know how, how long I should stay faithful until he comes back? How do I know that this thing is true? Oh, it's true. He's coming back. Just stay faithful. That's why we encourage Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a Holy kiss. I don't know about that one. You know what I'm saying? I would say that's a little cultural. I'm good with the hug, okay? The Bible says to kiss them. So we'll, we'll stop at the hug, okay, all right? We'll stop right there. Come here, George. Let me smooch on you a little bit. Ready? Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto what? All the holy brethren. We just obeyed the scripture this morning. I charge you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, what? Amen. What a mic drop from Paul, right? Several things that stand out in this kingdom mentality, in this understanding of what is happening. You always say that, Mike. What is happening? (laughs) What is happening? In this understanding, I saw several moments where he said what? Pray. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks. Pray for each other. I pray for what? For you. Go to Luke 18. Go back to Luke 18. Hurry. Come on. Man, you guys are, this rain, y'all are like. (laughs) How can you nestle in and get comfortable on a hard wooden pew? I don't even know. But some of y'all do it every week. I don't even get it. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Verse 18. I'm sorry, chapter 18, verse 1. We see here the similar verbiage that Jesus says uh, that we hear echoed in Paul. Look at verse 1, 18.1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to what? Come on, men ought always to what? And not to what? Faint or lose heart. In other words, take heart, church. Hey, church, be encouraged and pray. Do do you see the relevance between 1 Thessalonians 5 and what Jesus is saying? Do we see it? Are you there? I, I, I want you to just pray. I want you to always pray. I want you to to pray without what? Ceasing. I want you to pray for me. And I I want you to know that I'm praying for you. and, And this is to the end that we will be present and faithful when Jesus comes back. Come on. You know, I think we'd have less obstacles in our life. I think we would have less problems if we were more focused on who's coming instead of who's in front of us. Resist the devil and he will flee. You know what I think about when I think about that? I think about the fact that he's just up in our grill sometimes. He just gets in your face and he he wants to be the biggest thing in front of you. And he's waving his arms and he's throwing things in your path. and, And God's like, just resist him. Have the helmet, the hope of your salvation. It's coming. Look past him. Bro, just sit down, okay? I see what I'm. I see what I'm looking forward to. And it's off in the distance. And the thing that connects me to that is my relationship in prayer with God. Go ahead, devil. Your fate is already sealed. Just like I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, your fate is sealed in the bottomless pit for eternity where you will rot in hell. The only hope he has is to get as many people that he can away from God and carry them to hell with him. Hell wasn't created for you. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. The Bible's very clear about that. So why would you go to a place with him when all you have to do is accept what Jesus did for you and just trust that it's going to happen by faith? I'll say this, a reason why we don't is because we don't pray. So kingdom prayer. I, I hope I've laid enough groundwork this morning for you to see the importance that in this church age, men are always, women ought always to what? Pray. To pray and not to faint. We're going to look at two illustrations this morning. They're very cut and dry. And, and honestly, like one of them, I was kind of like thinking on it. and I'm like, no, that's not what he's saying. Yeah, that is. That's what he's saying. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then it became clear, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, there's first story right there, first parable. Matt, get your face up, chin up. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, that was good. I needed it. And then I read a little further. All right, Matt, chin up again. Ready? Okay. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. great!" It slapped me in my face. Because I'm not, I'm not doing what I ought to do, according to these parables. How many want to pray right? How many want to be consistent in your prayer life? Maybe these stories will speak to you. Verses, uh, chapter 18, verses 2 through 8. Look at it really quick. We're doing great. We're doing great on time. I mean it. Verses 2 through (coughs) (coughs) 8. I went down the wrong tube, you know. Great coffee, especially when it goes up your nose. Oh, my heaven. drink it black no cream in there that was high test right through the nostrils man that was lovely One, one second, <laughs> verse 2 you needed a little comic relief the, pew, the pews were getting to you I could tell how we doing we got any bats in the cave all right good okay <laughs> look at verse 2 saying there was a city here it is men ought always to pray and not to faint Saying, there was a city, in a city, a judge, sorry, which feared not God, nor regarded who? Man. There was a judge in a city. Jesus is telling the story. And he's like, this judge, he didn't care about God, and he didn't care about man. Which means he cared about who? Right. Okay, good. We're on the same page. And there was a widow in that city. A widow. You got to think about, why is he saying widow? Why is he... Positioning this story in this way. A widow in the city. And she came unto him and she said, what's the next few words? Avenge me of mine adversary. Okay? And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she what? weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith." Jesus says, what I want you to do is think about, listen to what the unjust judge said. What did he say? Do you know? He said, I don't fear God. I don't fear man. The reason why I'm going to avenge this widow, the point of, of it being a widow is the fact that she could not avenge herself. She did not have the resources. She did not have the position in society to therefore uh, right the wrong that was done to her by herself. She couldn't. And the judge had the capabilities. And in this illustration, Jesus says, this guy didn't like God and didn't like man. He only liked himself. Why would you use that in an illustration Why, when we're talking about prayer, wouldn't you not not have, like, this storybook parable with, like, unicorns and rainbows and flowers and just, like, really entice us to pray Jesus? That's not what it's about. Look at the next verse. Verse (laughs) 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them, Jesus says, speedily. Nevertheless, remember this verse? Remember we read it in the beginning? We said, hey, this is a key verse. Remember that? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find what? Faith on the earth. Listen to this, church. Our faith is measured in the consistency of our prayer life. Our faith is measured in the consistency of our prayer life. Jesus said, God will avenge us. Here's the question. But will you pray? The point is, is that the story was not about the judge at all. That judge didn't like God and he didn't like man. The judge basically said, let me explain something to you, widow, that's coming to me. Let me just set the record straight that as it pertains to me avenging you, I don't care about you. I don't care about the person who did you wrong. I don't care about God. In other words, in this situation, I'm not Solomon. In this situation, I'm not a good guy. I don't care about you. I am for one reason and one reason only going to grant, going to avenge you. In this situation, and it's because of this. You are on my everlasting. And I am D.O.N. Get out. Whatever this woman needs, give it to her. Write her the check, call that fellow, put him in prison. I don't care, but this woman is not going to come up in my courtroom again. Got me? Hashtag dunk. And then Jesus says, hey, guess what? God loves you. God elected you. God is for you. He is not against you. And if there is something good that you're going to him, he's going to do it quick. He's going to turn the table on that thing and spin it on his head. And he's going to be there for you. The point is not, is God going to come through? Guess what the point is? Number eight, verse number eight. That's the point. That's the key. Are you going to be faithful? The point, first story, story number one, the persistent widow. Our faithfulness in prayer shows our level of commitment to the kingdom of God. I just don't know why God hasn't answered my prayer. Um, I just want people to pray. Don't worry about God. If an unrighteous judge will grant a request because he's irritated, then a holy, righteous God that loves you will not withhold things from you. The problem in this equation is that we're not consistent. That's the problem in prayer that Jesus points out. First and foremost, the issue is verse number eight. Are we going to be faithful in it? That's the question, bottom line. We don't dictate the time. The trying of our faith worketh patience. We don't dictate how long it's going to be. Here's this here's the problem. I think, here, here's why this is, hey Matt, chin up. Here's the first one, right? The first slap in the face that I took from this passage was this Cookies and kids. You ready for this? Cookies and kids. How many of you, I, Let me just read it. I I read it down. It makes sense. Do we want them to have cookies? Yes or no? Some of you are really mean. Holy (laughs) cow. You are unrighteous judges, and and all of you, man, you don't care about your kids or God or nobody. Man. The answer is, for me, yes. I want them to have. Okay, let's start back in the beginning. (laughs) Cookies and kids. Do we want them to have it? Okay, good. Good. That makes me feel better. Woo. It's a tough crowd. Let me ask you this question. Are we going to withhold it? Man. The answer is no, okay? Are we going to withhold it? No. Let's let's put the circumstances aside. Remember, the unrighteous judge didn't like God, didn't like man, granted her request. A good God that loves the elect, that loves those that that, that are saved, that loves those that have put their faith and trust in him, he's not going to withhold what? Good things. Verse 30, we're going there, 29 and 30, key verses in this passage. It says that he wants to bless you in this present time. We're gonna equate blessings with cookies. Are we on board? Okay. So they've already eaten dinner. You guys are like, I see all of you. You're no, what if they hadn't eaten dinner? Then I'm gonna withhold it. Like, <laughs> let's not complicate anything. It's just a doggone cookie, for goodness sakes, and it's a child that wants the cookie, okay? Let's let's just get all that out of the way. <laughs> do we want them to have it? We experienced it once when we were a kid and we had the the chewy chips ahoy or the, the chips ahoy that had Reese's in them or mama baked some no bakes and we experienced it for the first time and our taste buds went crazy, slapping us around all over the place and we couldn't wait to get our hands on another cookie because it was what? Good. Are we on the same? And then, hopefully, I, and I, you know what, I understand there are some people that are like, I'm, and I'm not against you, I'm for you, but this, like, vegan thing or whatever, you know, son, these are delicious. You are lying to your kid. You anyway, Give that child some dairy. Oh, my goodness gracious. Let him come to Pastor Matt's house. I will load that child up with Oreos and Reese's Cups. I'm going to show that child what's good. You're withholding good things from them. Anyway. <laughs> Did you watch that Netflix documentary? Okay, I did. not I'm sorry. After I watch it, then I'll get rid of all dairy. I want to live in ignorance. You know what I'm saying? Man. The point is, is the cookie is good, and you want to see the joy. It's Christmas morning. Are you going to kick them out, or are you going to let them open their presents? Okay, Gary, right. That's better. You did better on that one. So here's the thing. Will we delay to teach them manners? The answer should be, the answer should be, yes. I'll give you that cookie when you have the right attitude. Oh, you want the cookie? What do you say? Huh? Some of y'all, it's, it's been about 100 years since you had a, a kid in your house. You know what I mean? I get it. Listen to me. Will we delay the cookie to teach them lessons? Of course. We're good parents. God is a good God who wants to give good things to us. Will he delay it to teach us? Ooh, watch this. Will he delay it to teach us why we are praying? Here's the problem. We don't see prayer as training for the kingdom. Watch this. My wife and I have had a recent series of interesting events. We'll just say interesting. Some have been really positive. Some have been fairly negative. But we trust That God in our prayer life is training us for the moment when he comes back and he meets all my needs. I am wholly sanctified. I am glorified. I am in a position, Paul says, that I will be completely in the presence of God and enjoying his presence forevermore. Church, you are not there. We are as newborn babes, what? Desiring the sincere milk of the word. Prayer is a training ground for us to receive good things from God and for us to patiently wait for good things from God. You look at prayer as as your gun, your weapon to do your bidding in what you have going on. And God looks at prayer as a training ground. It's boot camp for you to understand what the kingdom will be like. Son, I'm going to give you that cookie if you come to me in the right spirit. If not, we're going to try it again tomorrow. If I don't do that with my child, he's a spoiled brat. I'm doing the child a disservice. I discipline, I'm patient, I don't withhold. I want to give that child everything. But if I give that child everything at once, it will what? Crush them. Here's all my money, three year old. Make it happen. Let's go to Target. (laughs) If I don't put parameters around said three-year-old's life, said three-year-old will ruin his or her life. There is a his and a her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prayer is the parameter. And the first parameter around that parameter is God said, will you keep doing it? Will you keep doing it? You want to make it about the answer. You want to make it about, did I receive or did I not receive? What adjustment do I have to make? You don't have to make an adjustment. You have to be my child. The prerequisite is being an elect, is being someone who is saved. Ephesians 2 talks about it. It's being adopted in the family of God. And when you are there, he does not want to withhold. He wants to train you. As to what it will be like when you are in his presence 100%, in a place where you have no sin and you can completely enjoy it. Until then, we have prayer as our boot camp. Stop making it about the answer. We can easily flip this story on its head and say it was about the fact that she got her prayer answered. And boy, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard a message about how to get your prayer what? The question isn't will he answer the prayer? question is will you be faithful in other words when you get the answer will you continue in prayer will you how many christians have i seen through the years remove themselves from god's training program and then when we have problems and issues one of the first things out of pastor matt's mouth is how's your prayer life did you talk to god about it well in in this situation I'm saying, church? That's the story. That's the story of the persistent widow. Are you consistently praying and persistently asking? It's a training ground. How many of you have ever looked at prayer as in it, in and of itself training? Anybody? How many of you, that's a new thing. It was a new thing for me this week. I had a really good conversation with a friend of mine, and I'm like, and what I'm getting out of this passage of scripture. And I told him, I said, it's almost like in and of itself. And he goes, it's what connects us to the future kingdom. He said, it is what we are designed to do in the process of sanctification to be a part of the everlasting covenant now. To not pray is to be a soldier in a boot camp that sits on the sidelines while the drill drill instructor is saying, Get information. Now, how's that gonna work out? How many times are we, the three year old, throwing a temper tantrum in the kitchen because we didn't what? Get the cookie. We have to change our perspective, church. We have to. Take the answer. Take the answer to the prayer and remove it. And know that God will grant it when God is ready. He has already granted you, as an adopted son and daughter, eternal significance. So how does your problem and your issue pale in comparison, we're going to talk about that in a second, to eternal significance? Here's what we need to worry about today. Guess what? Us. You need to worry about praying tomorrow, praying the next day, praying the day after that. And you let the righteous judge who Jesus said will absolutely grant your request. You let him worry about that, and you just worry about being faithful. Is that a help? Look at the next story, verse 9 through 14. Are you you enjoying scripture this morning? Look at verse 9. Verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain, which trusted in who? Themselves. That they were You thought thought this first point was was bad. I'm going to explain something to you. This one's worse. They trusted in themselves. They were righteous and despised who? Others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. Here's the other other issue, the other story. Two men went up, a Pharisee and the other a publican. One would be considered a good person and the other would be considered a what? A A bad person. That's the simple... In this culture, in this society, one was a religious person who was esteemed as a good guy. The other, he's a bad dude. He does things that he should not, okay? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus. Oh, what are the next two words? He prayed with himself. This is dangerous. Jesus says, first, just be consistent in your prayer life. The second thing he said, you know what the problem is? you could be praying all what? All alone. With yourself. Does that not scare anybody? How many want to be the religious man who goes in his prayer closet every day and it's never goes above that ceiling? Does that not scare you? Is that not a wake-up call? Look at the, look at the story. And the Pharisee stood thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as... Other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this what? Publican. Man, anybody does that in this church? And I'm gonna drop kick you Jesus through the front door. Thank the Lord that I'm not as this one at the other end of the altar. <laughs> I'll be like, ah You need your spiritual teeth knocked out. Oh, I'm not like this dude. Check this out. He gives his resume right there in the scripture in his prayer. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And this publican standing afar off would not lift up his head as his eyes into heaven, but smote his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a what? Sinner. I tell you, this man, Jesus said, went down to his house justified rather than For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that, what, humbleth himself shall be exalted. Just listen as I read this. I think the words are more powerful. You understand the story? Do you understand the context? Prayer can be fake. That's the second story that Jesus gives. Comparison is the proudful companion that renders our prayers useless. I'm going to say that again. Comparison is the proudful companion that renders our prayers useless. How many want a useless prayer life? Then compare yourself to someone else. That's what I'm getting here. One man was worried about God forgiving who? Him. The other man was praying with himself to everyone else in the building, about how he was different than what? Everybody else. In other words, if trust me, if I had a dollar for every time, a good person walked through our door, some would say a good family. I like that good family. That's a dangerous statement. It's a dangerous statement to call some good and some not. You're in the trap of comparison. Even in families, how many... I just realized I forgot to put those shades down. It just hit me. (laughs) I put these up and I put the plants in front of them and I just realized I forgot. Anyway, How many have, how many has watched, squirrel exactly, how many has watched comparison kill relationships even in your family? Comparison is the proudful companion that renders our prayers useless. Do you want your prayers to contribute to your eternal significance, church? Yes or no? Then cleanse your mind from pride and remind yourself daily of who you are without God. Cleanse your mind of your pride and remind yourself of who you are without Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the Son of God coming down to a lost and dying world, the world would be lost and dying. Any man who has his sins laid upon his account at the end of his life will be judged for his sins and will burn in a devil's hell. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, not whosoever prayeth with himself, not whosoever works good works, not whosoever stands at the end of the altar and says, I tithe. We, we worship the Pharisee in, in the 2019 church. In the 2019 church, we, we talk about our metrics. Look at this family. Look at them growing in grace. Boy, we're so good at spiritualizing, but really what we're doing is what? Comparing. I have watched this kill churches and kill Christians. Maybe who weren't even Christians to begin with. Prayer should be consistent without comparison. Church, let me say that again. Prayer should be consistent without what? Comparison. Why don't you say it with me? Prayer should be consistent without comparison. God, I just want you to help me be like them. I understand the sentiment, but it's not healthy. It's going to lead to something proud. Because when you achieve can achieve. Some of us really have to watch out for this more than others. Some of us are achievers. That's who God made us to be. Some of us are more affected by Facebook likes and Twitter follows. Right? How many views? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's just we're wired that way. It's, that's, that's how God made us. Comparison. Oh, And those of you that are wired like that, like me, I struggle with it. You just know how much it kills your relationship with God. When God is worried about you, when God just wants to have a talk with you, and here you are bringing, you got like six bags of luggage going in the prayer closet. God, thank you that I ain't like that feller and that feller. I really got a good, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know why I'm praying. Come on, let's go to the restaurant. You know? This is great. It sounds stupid, don't it? It's bad English. Church, we do it. God is interested in you. That's why it was better for him to go away because we have our own personal Holy Spirit. In our own personal temple. In our own personal relationship with Jesus. And how about, how about we walk away justified today? How about we walk away in victory because we met with God Not because we were comparing ourselves with someone else. Does that help in story number two? How do we live by faith now? How can we contribute to our eternity now? Consistent, humble, prayer. Prayer is the training ground. Prayer is the discipline that God has chosen to lead us into his presence and to begin a life that is justified in his sight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the gospel invitation.